Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we check in with Derek Taylor on the final day of Blue Bomber training camp. And Mike Taylor, head coach of the Winnipeg Sea Bears, helps preview Thursday's game in Brampton, their second game ever. That's all coming up on the podcast. Time to talk training camp. One last time with Derek Taylor for Stars Air Ambulance, caring for Manitobans when and where you need us most. Derek, that doesn't mean you're not coming on the show tomorrow. It just means that training camp, it's it's technically over, right? Yeah, tomorrow they're not doing a like a practice like they did the last, gosh, 15 days. They're just doing a little pregame walkthrough like they would for a normal game. So there'll be nothing to report on kind of at least who do we who looks good in practice. It'll be, hey, here's a roster for the game. Who's in? Who's out? And how does it all how's it all feel? So, yeah, expecting not a lot of starters in tomorrow's in part Friday's game. OK, but one thing we do know is that. Well, the kicking game, we talked a lot about it because we knew going into Blue Bomber training camp, there were not a lot of jobs up for grabs. It's a veteran-laden team with Grey Cup aspirations, so there's not a lot of spots where people can make a giant impact and and take a job away. But in terms of kicking, we viewed it as wide open. Sergio Castillo gets signed not long before camp. And really, Derek, have we made any progress on figuring out who the kickers are going to be? Like it's to me, it just got to be Sergio with the track record on the punting side. Uh, we're going to see a lot of guys take a whack at it to, on Friday. Um, Mark Leggio is going to get a shot. Jamison Sheehan and Carl Schmitz. Each guy had four punts in the Edmonton game. They'll both get a crack at it again as well. Um, Sheehan, just because of a lucky, you know, because of a lucky bounce, outperformed uh, Schmitz in the in the Edmonton game. Schmitz had a near perfect punt just trickle into the end zone. Uh, so it, it's kind of wide open. The the thing you start to contemplate is if you you're trying to make your team better, right? But at the same time, I don't feel like you want to make other teams better. If if you were to release Mark Leggio, would a team? Well, how quickly would a team come and get him? Because he can do a lot of things. And if you feel like, hey, you know what, this guy was a great kicker at Western. He's he's had some spells in the Canadian Football League where he's been good. He Hit a kick under pressure in the uh, in the Labor Day game in Saskatchewan from 55 yards. Maybe we can fix him, as as it were. I, I wonder how long Legio would last on a practice roster or on the open markets. There are other teams whose kickers aren't great or have to use an American when they might prefer a Canadian. Is that really ultimately what it comes down to in determining who gets the punting job? Because Mike O'Shea said today, at least that's is what he said. He doesn't know how he's going to decide. They can all kick really well. He's not sure how he's going to make that distinction. Will it yeah. just simply come down to ratio? I think, to well, I think punter kind of has to because you, you've only got globals and uh, Canadian left. And you have, you know, Legio plus two Americans going for the kicker spot. I, I think once you're going, once you're going American at kicker, you would have to go, you would not be able to go American at at uh, pardon me, at punter, just because it would take too many roster spots from you. So, I mean, the, the Bombers don't have the option to do that with the guys they have in camp. But I mean, yeah, I mean, well, here's here's the one thing: a lot of teams, like in Edmonton, for example, they pretty much have to go global at kicker or punter because they're not overwhelmed with other great global options. Uh, the Bombers are deep, deep in global options. Les Maluo. And Suleiman Karamoko can can play games and be on a roster right from the start of the season. When Tiadric Hansen is back from his Achilles injury, that guy's going on the roster every week that he's healthy. 
So they're they're not really in need of it like some other teams are. But if uh, if you feel like Carl Schmitz, for example, is is your best option, all right, let's give it a poke. Just remind us what the roster rules are for global players. You need one. That's it, right? Yeah, you, you only need one. There was a time in the old CBA where they were going to up it to two. Then the pandemic came around and then they said, OK, well, we'll just stick with one. So it is one. But you can I mean, you can have as many as you want at that point. Uh, so and your roster can be the roster rules are quite convoluted. You can carry 45 or 44 and la la la. So uh, at some point you can carry more globals, but then you start taking uh, jobs away from from other guys that you might like to have. All right, because that's that is an important point. The the bombers can have more than one. They're fine putting one more than one out there. But in terms of how the ratio works, then if you have multiple globals, does that mean you take away jobs from Americans or Canadians? I believe, and I would have to check. And here's here's one of the problems behind this. The, the current CBA doesn't exist in printed form that we're able to access in the media. Oh. So we're kind of working off what we what we hear from people and what the old CBA said. I I believe uh, I don't I kind of don't want to say I'm not. I you don't, don't have check, to you know, if you start to if you start taking away American jobs, then it would be the same as using an American at, at punter as well. Right. If you start taking away Canadian jobs, you would you would be safe in keeping Americans on. But let me let me double check on that, because that's. That's would be an interesting point in roster building. Okay, well, I'll I'll ask you about that tomorrow night. So you have you right. have some homework to do, which I know you don't have any already on the go. Definitely just chilling at home with nothing to do. Uh, looking at the other spots now, you talked to Evan Holm today. You feel like he's going to be a starter, don't you? I do, a hundred percent. And I have nothing to to particularly go on that, but just watching him in camp, he started with the number twos, and then injuries happened. And he's, he was he was digging into the number ones like Jamal Parker would take a couple reps at that one halfback spot. Then home would take a couple reps. The second team would come on. Parker would take two reps and home would take a couple reps. So that was him already pushing for a starting spot that he didn't have at the beginning of camp. And then Desmond Lawrence gets injured and you think, well, home is is used to that wide side of the field, the strong side, as as he referred to it today. And just watching him in camp, like he is all over receivers, and he had an interception today, and he's batting passes away, and he is just, oh, Dalton Schoen's running the seam route, I'm going to run with him step for step, and let's see what happens. Like he's his coverage has been fantastic. If if he's, I mean, if if Richie Hall looks at and goes, this guy's in the right spot too, and he's able to do this, and 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 I, we talked about in the pregame show that. Uh, the hot take was he's going to be the breakout star for the Bombers, and I, I'm on that. I'm I'm on that. I really think he's good. Coach O'Shea talked about best feed I've ever seen from a defensive back. I really think Evan Holm is is a starter for all the games that he's healthy this year because he has really really shone in his second year. And it's just another example of this scouting staff going out and finding a guy. Every year, I feel like there's a starter or two on the defensive side of things, especially in the defensive backfield. We had no idea who they were coming into training camp. Next thing you know, they're an impact player. Yeah, he was the guy who stepped in when Nick Taylor tore his Achilles last year. And did, he tried some returning as well. He has that in his arsenal. He didn't have the best go around when it, when it came to returning. But if you can do that as well, that provides depth within a, a limited roster when you go to game time. And and yeah, these are, these are the guys you need to step up. And this is a position that you and I talked about way back of like, well, what's going to be up for grabs? 
And you look at the defensive backfield and go, okay, well, Dietrich Nichols, Brandon Alexander, and Alden Darby are set. But what about the other three? And it looks like Evan Holm is is kind of forcing his way into be one of those other three. What are the other two at the moment? Uh, they are. So Dietrich Nichols had the day off. So Jamal Parker slid into his spot. Demario Houston uh, had taken over Winston Rose's spot. I was curious to see how they would do with Winston Rose, who re-signed immediately, almost immediately after the season. But he did struggle quite a bit last year. So I was curious if he would be able to keep that job. And then it would be Jamal Parker in that in that one halfback spot. Uh, I was curious if Holm would be able to displace him, and perhaps Holm has displaced Desmond Lawrence, who's been injured for, oof, gosh, a week or ten days now. Also saw Janarian Grant return. Uh, Brady Oliveira was out there a little bit. Uh, Mike O'Shea saying Grant's not going to play on Friday, and we wouldn't expect Oliveira to be out there either. But that's progress, right? Yeah, Janarian's back with the team. Uh, yeah, which. We, we don't know why he what business he had to take care of. He was nicked up a little early in camp. Uh, so just putting him on the suspended list, he could take care of whatever business and come back when he was done. Uh, interesting, Coach O'Shea does his availability, and then roster moves come out You know, a few hours later. Patty Newfeld has gone onto the suspended list to allow Janarian Grant to come off the suspended list. So uh, Newfeld, uh, I mean, by that, is not going to play on, on Friday, which we would have assumed. And we haven't heard of him, you know, what it is that has him on the suspended list. Could be a paper transaction. Could be he's got some business to take care of. But uh, that's how Janarian comes back on. And at least he's back because uh, they'll get a chance to look at some other returners on Friday, like uh, Matt Cole and Amore Jones and guys like that. And Abu Dharami Soiree probably uh, may get a little bit in there. But, uh, yeah, to have Grant back is, is it at least answer the question, when's he coming back? What's your scouting report on the Rough Riders, the opponent coming in on Friday? I feel like they're going – well, Trevor Harris has had zero snaps for them. Uh, I I don't know if you want to bring him to a game because if he gets hurt, it's the Jake Dolagala show. Yeah, but you could get hurt any time you play football at any point of the season. If he gets hurt in week one versus he gets hurt Friday, I mean, you could, it could happen any time. Oh, 100%. Just how many more – if he's going to take uh, – 1100 snaps during the regular season. Do you want to add 30 more and give yourself an extra 2% chance that he's out for the year, right? Like it's, it's, it's all very, it, it's not a, not a real good chance that he gets hurt. Right. But to me, Saskatchewan, they, they're not one of the teams with quality at backup quarterback in my mind. So how do you weigh? Okay. Uh, it's a new, it's a new quarterback with a new offensive coordinator and a lot of receivers he's never played with versus, Ah, you know what? Let's just uh, he can wor- work in during the season because he's 37 years old. I think he's a veteran and, and he gets it. Um, Saskatchewan, when they bring their top roster, is not overwhelming with offensive weapons, but their defense really looks good. Their defensive front, uh, if it's healthy, could be could be fantastic. Uh, with Anthony Lanier in the middle, uh, he he's the big one. Pete Robertson off the edge. And then even having uh, having uh, their linebacking core they have, they get Micah Tights back this year. Larry Dean moves back to the middle. That guy just makes tackles all over the place. And they got a lot of guys that can cover. So to me, they're going to be led by defense and probably a little more conservative offensive attack. So Friday, if we get the Jake Dolagala, Mason Fine, plus, was it Shea Patterson or whoever the, the fourth quarterback is, show and a bunch of backup receivers, we won't learn too much about them. 
But uh, yeah, week two, watch out for that defense of, of the uh, of the Riders, and then uh, hope that Willie and company make Trevor Harris's life living hell. Yeah, I guess it's the difference between their first regular season meeting and what we're going to see in 48 hours because it is still preseason. But nonetheless, there's still some juice when these two teams play, right? Oh, I think I think always, and especially if the if the Bombers keep winning games against the Riders and keep running that streak up, right? I think it's, it's going to. Uh, yeah, it's it's it'll always be good. It'll always be good. Do you still hear from people when you call the Rider games? Because you know, for those who don't know, you used to do that job. I do, I do. I have some folks who tell me that, hey, we're listening to you on CJOB. I'm like, all right, I love it. I'm Doug may talk a lot of crap about your team, however, but uh, we appreciate that you're here. So, what do you? I'll ask what I sort of asked you again last week, but in terms of your preparation for a preseason game versus a regular season game. Now that you have a game under your belt, is it easier to do game number two? It's uh, well, honestly, it'll be about the same because you're dealing with an opposing team and like in depth players from an opposing team that you may not be super familiar with, right? Like if it was Nick Marshall and Amari Henderson running around in the Riders defensive backfield, I may not have a problem with that, but, if Jaden Dalkey slips on the field, I may lose track of who that cat is or where he is. Or, oh, look, there's Tommy Bringy. Okay, what's he look like? That part that part can be difficult, but you kind of muddle through and, you know, check for numbers. But on the, on the bomber side, been watching the guys for three-plus weeks, learning, okay, this is Matt Cole and this is uh, Abu. Okay, you get, you get a sense for that. But then you can always just fall back on storytelling, right? Uh, hey, Doug, of course, they brought, they brought in Trevor Harris to – kill their quarterback woes. They gave up 77 sacks last season. And oh, by the way, their offensive coordinator is doing doing it for the first time at the CFL level. So there's always stories you can fall back on. And then there's some extra ones that I have because I, I was in Regina for a couple of seasons and, and got to see some of it pretty close up. Well, Derek, appreciate your time as always. Thanks for this. We'll check in again tomorrow for our final sponsored preseason hit. Love it. Thanks, brother. As Derek Taylor. Voice of the Blue Bombers joining us as he has every night during training camp. We're going to have him on, of course, during the season, just not every night because, you know, he's got other things to do. But right now he's on every night because it's preseason. After winning their first game on Saturday, and that's their first ever game, the Winnipeg Sea Bears, they're off to Ontario to begin a four game road trip against the defending champion Brampton Honey Badgers. Tomorrow night, one of my favorite names in pro sports, the Brampton Honey Badgers. To preview the action, this afternoon I caught up with Seabears coach Mike Taylor. First, though, we had to take a look back at that incredible night on Saturday that saw Chad Poshmas hit the game-winning bucket to give Winnipeg the W in their first ever game. Well, it was an exciting night, a very emotional moment. I think that our guys were really excited to play in front of the home crowd. You know, there's so much that went into it behind the scenes. You know, it was a great response from the city of Winnipeg. And for me, it was a special moment because all of the hard work in terms of planning the team, building the roster, uh, it all came together. The game itself, uh, I would describe it as scratchy at times, but your team was able to get it done. How would you describe it? Yeah, I think it's what you would expect. There's an emotional moment. There was the anticipation of the first ever home game. And, you know, we were not efficient offensively. 
we showed tremendous potential, but the team had great heart, great will, and they really they fought together. Um, and then again, the Elam ending is the new experience for everyone. The target score time, um, you know, that, that takes a lot of time to really have the discipline to play together. So uh, I'm really thankful we survived it, and I think it turned out to be just a, a, a great first game and, and first win for the organization. Yeah, huge lead, and then all of a sudden it's gone, like completely gone, and all of a sudden it's just a race to five or a race to four uh, after Vancouver had that huge rally. What does it say about your team that you're still able to come away with it, and how important was Jelani Watson-Gale to that effort? Well, the first thing is, you know, we're a new group. We're, we're again, I think the pieces fit well. I think the guys really like each other, so all those things are really positive. Uh, but it takes time to really execute on a high level. Um, I think we learned a lot of good lessons about the target score time, uh, how we have to play in structure, how we have to help each other, uh, how we have to handle adversity. Um, and then, again, to have a big, big basket from Jelani, you know, that's kind of all you need. You need that one big bucket to kind of stop the run and settle the team. Um, and then, you know, Chad finished it up, but no, you know, it, it takes time. Um, and I really love the direction the team is moving in the process. So all this energy at this first ever game, it's at home. Now you got four in a row on the road. Is it going to be helpful to help the team building aspect of it that you don't have that home energy for four games? What do you think this road trip will do for your team? Well, I think it gives us chance to compete together to take the challenges together especially this road trip you know you got back to back against two teams that were in the finals last year so these are they've got some really talented players they've got excellent team um brampton and scarborough so it's a good test for us um but i feel like if we can defend and rebound and get better offensively then we'll give ourselves a chance in every game We'll start with the the first task at hand, and that is uh, Brampton tomorrow night. They're 0-2, but both losses by two points. They are the defending champs. They have the leading score in the league in Christian Vital through their two games, averaging 30 points a game. What's the biggest task in terms of sh- trying to shut down the Honey Badgers? What's the top thing on the to-do list? The Honey Badgers have a dynamic backcourt with Kobe McEwen and Christian Vital. When things break down and the game's not going great for them, these guys can take over in a one-on-one aspect. Um, I think Jeremiah Tillman in the post is a very good low post scorer, and they've got championship experience. So we respect these guys. They've gotten off to a tough start here. Obviously, Ryan Schmidt did such a fantastic job with them last summer and then is coaching the London Lions, so they've got a coaching change. Um, But, you know, you've got to contend with that talent and the ability to score one-on-one all the time. Uh, We expect a team that's going to come out and be really desperate, uh, be really ready to give everything they have for a win. And I think our team understanding that, we need to do everything strong, really execute together, keep the game simple, um, you know, and and really be ready to compete. You mentioned the offense in the franchise opener last weekend. Did you like the shot selection? No, I mean... Again, it's the first time guys are together. And I think the encouraging thing is, for example, we're up by six at halftime and 
Teddy and EJ were generally inefficient. I think, you know, guys' hearts were in the right place. They really tried to do the right things. Uh, they really wanted to do the right things. But at the end of the day, you know, you've got to execute and try to create and generate easier shots than your opponent. I thought we shot too many contested shots. Um, I think we needed to play more within the structure of our offense. I think we needed to get to, you know, connect our plays to the second side of the floor, third, third side of the floor. And, you know, like they say, the dominoes fall in your actions. So we've we've tried to really take strides these last few days of practice to get better. But I again the players are working very hard. They're really engaged on task. And I think, you know, like I say, their hearts are in the right place. So we hope that we can be more efficient together. We can create better shots. Um, and I think that's just part of the natural process of learning to play together as a team. On the note of Chad Posthumus, the the team leader played only and not even 14 minutes because of foul trouble. He gets the big bucket. He gets the winning basket. Uh, but for him, how frustrating was that? Only limited to what he was and, and how big a part of his game will be trying to stay out of trouble. Well, I think that's a huge part of it. Uh, and again, it comes down to habits and defensive discipline and understanding how officials call the game. There's certain things that he can do uh, with his handwork and things like this in the post to help himself stay out of foul trouble, avoid those unnecessary fouls. I think he did a great job of keeping his composure in the situation. Obviously, it was an emotional moment, a big moment, meaningful for him. First game in his hometown, first game for the T-Bears. And it would have been really easy to you know, shut down or get distracted or focus your energy in the wrong area with the foul trouble. But he was there for us you know, in, in the third quarter in particular and then in the, in the Elam ending time. Um, I think he did a great job. But you know, as you're saying, players want to play. And the most important thing for Chad in this case will be, hey, defend without fouling. We've looked at some video. We've worked on some things. And hopefully he can make some steps uh, in the right direction there. On His fouling gave an opportunity to someone like Simon Hildebrandt to get more minutes. He's 20 years old. He played 28 minutes, 5 of 10 from the field for 13 points. He did not look out of place. He did not look like he lacked any confidence. What can you say about the, the rookie's debut in his first CEBL game? I think he's fantastic. I think he's a great player. He's got so much potential. He's he's really a smart guy. He's asked so many intelligent questions in practice. He's really engaged trying to learn the system. Been a great teammate, especially with the veteran guys. Uh, so he's been super impressive within the team. And I think everybody was super confident in him going out there and contributing. And what I think we'll see happen with Simon is he'll grow in confidence throughout the season. Um, and what he needs is one or two big games to really gain that self-confidence. You know, the, the best confidence comes from really successful performance. And, you know, this first game, I think, was a, a great thing for Simon. So, yeah, he, it's going to be fun for Seabear fans to follow his development. And, again, we're really proud of what he's done as a young player in, in our first game. Just from a logistics standpoint, you play in Brampton tomorrow and then Scarborough Friday. You've got Vancouver Tuesday, Saskatchewan Friday. You're coming home between the two trips, right? Yes. So we'll play our back-to-back here uh, Thursday and Friday with Brampton and Scarborough. We'll fly home Saturday, give the guys a little time to rest and recover. We'll practice on Sunday in Winnipeg, and then we'll fly out uh, for the next two games. Uh, again, that's you know the early game, the school day game in, in Vancouver. Uh, and then also uh, the game in, in Saskatoon. Okay, so 
it's going to be a busy time, but this is, a, I guess, a great way to, to forge your team together that hasn't played much. A, an opening road trip, what better way to do it? Yeah, I can tell you the guys from today's trip here into Toronto, we've really enjoyed each other's company. We had just got off the practice court right now. It was a very good practice, actually. Juwan told me that that's the best practice that he's ever had on a professional level with guys on a travel day. You know, so we guys were really engaged, focused, um, and we're really pleased with where the team is. Hopefully we can, you know, make strides and, and you know, put together a, a large number of quality minutes on both ends tomorrow. Um, but there's really good people on the roster and we like each other. We're having fun. Um, and hopefully we can carry that over to good chemistry on the floor in these two important early season games. Because that's one thing I asked you about when you were on the show last time was about how do you know chemistry when you're putting together a team for the first time? You haven't played any games yet. This must be a promising sign from your viewpoint. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, there's been really good execution in practice the last couple of days, so we hope that takes a step forward. The guys are, are get, again, getting along and having fun. Um, one of the best parts of practice today was – Teddy Allen imitating Jelani's jump shot. And that was fun. And of course, then everybody wanted to imitate Teddy's jump shot. So we were having a lot of fun together over there. And um, yeah, you just never know. But I think if you can avoid bringing in, you know, certain attitudes or certain types of types of people, you bring in quality guys, you have a better chance to, you know, get the chemistry in the right place. So we're off to a good start and we just got to keep going. All right, well, we'll be paying attention tomorrow and Friday. Mike, appreciate your time as always. Thanks for this, and good luck. No problem, Christian. Appreciate it, and shout out to all the Seabears fans. Uh, can't wait to see you guys back in the arena on the 12th. Mike Taylor is the head coach and GM of the Winnipeg Seabears tomorrow night in Brampton, Friday in Scarborough, and as you mentioned, the next home game for the Seabears is Monday, June 12th against Edmonton.